Welcome back to the Nolan Finley Show on the 910 AM Superstation. I'm Kelly Cobb, joined, of course, by Nolan Finley, Andre Ash, Martin Patton working the board. And it's 823 on a Monday, and so we know we're talking to kick off the week with Chad Livingo to Crane's Detroit Business. Good morning, Chad. Good morning, Kelly. How's it going? What are you guys writing about this week in Crane's? Well, this week we have uh, our monthly Cranes Forum section on public affairs issues affecting business. And the story, the issue I kind of tackled this month is the start of school, mm-hmm. uh, the post-Labor Day school law that was passed in 2005 by the legislature. Now, take a little step back. 2005, the economy is is in a in a single-state recession. I mean, it's kind of hard, it's kind of easy to... to uh, to forget now several years later um but you know the the the, uh, the state was struggling and it was before the national economy obviously collapsed in 2008 so the legislature took action and decided and listened to the northern michigan um tourism industry that was clamoring for um school to start after labor day so that they could get uh, more time for families to come have a last-minute vacation, either Labor Day weekend or even the last couple weeks of August. Um, and so the legislature passed this law, required all schools starting in 2006 uh, to, to move their calendars uh, and start after Labor Day. And then a couple years later, they changed some laws around with with the number of days you had to be in school. It used to be 1,056 hours, and so schools could spread that over 170 days, 180 days, 190 days. And now they've moved it to 180 days firm, and this has caused school districts to um, ask for waivers so they can accommodate different academic schedules. Some of these schools are going yeah. to what's known as a balanced calendar. Flint has done this for all of its schools where they, they get out at the end of June and they start back up the 1st of August. And there's basically a six-week uh, window of, of summer summer break. But then they've got a couple more breaks throughout the year, and they and it's more of a year-long learning model. Other districts have had to uh, ask for waivers because they have – um, uh, dual enrollment programs with community colleges or what's known as middle college programs. A lot of schools in the suburbs like, uh, like Warren and Troy, um, Celine have, have, have gotten waivers for these reasons. And so now this year, there are almost um, 200 some odd waivers that have been issued to schools and ch- districts and charter schools. And in that county, there's 47 intermediate school districts, uh, countywide school districts that um, have gotten blanket waivers. So 56 of those ISDs statewide, 47 of them now have these waivers. So there are even more than just the 200 um, districts that, that have the waivers. Uh, there's potentially three or 300 or more school districts starting in August this year. Uh, basically, I write about how this, this law has been just kind of whittled away by waivers. Um, and, and I'm kind of quite raising the question about whether uh, we need to send this law on a permanent vacation. Yeah, that's a good question. And, of course, they're trying to eliminate brain drain, right, where kids just lose everything that they gained in the last school year over the summer. Uh, I noticed one of the pieces um, was questioning whether or not there was good research on that. One of the pieces in Cranes from the folks that you brought in to, to t- have a conversation about it, whether or not they needed a study to figure out whether or not these kids who go to school in these districts where summer is kind of cropped short uh, actually have better outcomes than the kids who wait until after Labor Day. 
Yeah, that came from Justin Winslow, president yeah. of the uh, Michigan Restaurants and Lodging Association. I mean, they are they were obviously one of the organizations that lobbied for this, and they yeah. and they want this law to remain in the books. Um, but they also basically challenging the education community prove that going back to school at the last week in August actually uh, improves educational outcomes. Uh, of course, the education community saw that and and, re- and reacted not so happily yesterday on on social media when the when the column came out. Is there proof um, then? <laughs> they they they, uh, they do not uh, believe that 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 is a valid argument. Um, mm. Uh, one of the ideas that's thrown around here that I've you know, been talking to people is that some of the tourism officials are basically they, they understand that this is that there's that there's a need for more um, uh, more time in, in classrooms for for kids, and so one of the kind of, sort of possible compromises that people are kind of discussing in the tourism industry is structure the school year so that it goes later into June as and but leaves July and August unencumbered. Um, a lot of schools kind of strive to try to get out by the 1st of June, yeah. uh, right, the week after after Memorial Day. Obviously, some of those districts, those get pushed back. They, they, leave, the bump, they leave June open as for, for, for a buffer because of, of uh, snow days, which are unpredictable in Michigan. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean this year the legislature had, had took an act yeah. of the legislature to forgive um, schools for, for missing so many snow days because the polar vortex in, in January was was so awful and so cold and, and there was so much snow various times. You know, it was there was a week there, Kelly. Uh, you, you might recall that um, uh, my my kid was in school one day, <laughs> uh, and, <laughs> yeah. and it turned out uh, um, because of all because of all the snow yeah. and such and 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 cold. So. Um, yeah, so this is this is not a new debate, but um, but I, I kind of raised the question: like, at this point, is this law even worth keeping on the books? Uh, and and you know, there's a lot of legislators legislators who who want to seek uh, local control. They preach about it. Yeah. Um, they're not always good about that, but um, but you know, so there's you know, there's some lawmakers who want to you know, on the Republican side who want to just return this issue to to the districts and let them decide. Yeah, and the, probably the best option. I mean, let them let them prove which best works for their community or for the whole state, and they could use that laboratories of democracy, right? That's what we say. Uh, yeah. And you've got there's a whole slew of people who have written pieces in cranes, uh, basically hashing this out, right? What are what are some of the back and forth? We talked about the restaurant association, hospitality. They argue summer's the time when kids go get a job and learn social skills and learn soft skills and go learn how to have a job and hold a job. Uh, what other arguments out there are there? Yeah, Steve Loftus, he's a, he owns five restaurants in Grand Haven, and he made the argument that we're educators too, which I'm sure some educators will take a, take a little bit of uh, exception with. But basically that, yeah, we – we provide a, a, a skill set that they learn on the job, and we got we can't have. Um, his argument is that a four or five week summer uh, leaves very little time for him to train a student a worker oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. to be a server or or, be, or bus tables or whatnot, and then they actually have a meaningful experience on the job before they have to go rush back to school. And it's already as high school. Uh, if you're in high school sports, it, 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 this never changed. When the post Labor Day law went into effect, uh, football camps still start the first uh, Monday mm-hmm. in in August, and um, the first game is is uh, the third Friday in August. And there's there's two football games 
in high school sports before school starts um, uh, because because they never change that kind of calendar. So um, so yeah, there's you know there's some back and forth about the demands on children here uh, that you know, that have never really kind of subsided. Um, at the same time, um, you know the schools association says we we ought to be measuring the school year in days, not hotel stays. Uh, that it, that this this argument is really kind of uh, or this law has been kind of formulated to appease one industry uh, to try to ha- prop up one industry um, that uh, that then turns around and argues that August is basically Black Friday uh, for for the lodging uh, for hotels um, yeah. and they they don't in, in Northern Michigan hotels don't make it in August uh, they don't they they just can't keep up with it at the same time interestingly enough. Um, uh, Traverse City's uh, Tourism Bureau has has been customizing its travel um, marketing messages for late August and early September to empty nesters, childless um, uh, millennials, or or families with really you know small kids who aren't in school yet, um, trying to basically just fill the gap. They've essentially given up on on the uh, on the school aged uh, family uh, segment and kind of tried to shift towards. Uh, a different uh, different demographics to try to make up for the loss. Hmm. Wow. Uh, we've got a caller, Jackie, on the line, I believe wants to weigh in on this. Jackie, good morning. Uh, good morning. I'm enjoying your program. I'd like to ask one question, and that is, who sponsored this bill? Who wrote the bill, and um, who wanted to see it implemented? Hmm. Chad? Uh, you tested my knowledge. There was a representative <laughs> from Gross Point who um, who actually sponsored the bill back in 2005, and I'm drawing a blank on the gentleman's name, um, but uh, uh, he's long and gone out of office. I mean, that's that's part of the, uh, yeah. the you know one of the issues we talk about all the time is with term limits, is that the decisions that were made to make this law. Um, nobody that w- that made that law is actually in the legislature anymore. Right. Um, uh, right. Not a single person um, from from 2005. That's not really that long ago, 12 years. Um, but um, uh, the only person who actually did vote on the issue and voted against it, uh, who's in who is in Lansing, is Governor Gretchen Whitmer. Um, she voted <laughs> against it as as a House uh, member of the House. And I and I asked her about it during a stop in Detroit recently, and she 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 was like, "Well, you need to check my voting record, Chad. I'm pretty sure I voted against that." And then and she she basically said she, she never she kind of found it absurd that that this was, this was an argument about what was best for for the tourism industry, not not necessarily what's best for the for the education of school children. Yeah. Wow. Uh, well, some other stuff you guys are writing about uh, payday loans. I, you know, a lot of people live paycheck to paycheck right now, even with a booming economy. The number I can't remember off the top of my head, but I read it recently and I was shocked at the number of people who are still paycheck to paycheck, even high income earners who live paycheck to paycheck. Uh, and your colleague has written a piece about how companies are trying to, to give basically early paydays to people if they need it for financial emergencies. Yeah, so uh, not just financial emergencies, just almost instant gratification. <laughs> Excuse me, younger. It's younger, Friday uh, and I want to go out. <laughs> yeah, let me spend my whole five thousand dollars. <laughs> well, it's Wednesday and I want to go out. Um, uh, I mean, that's um, so companies are moving towards uh, early pay where where employees can access yeah. a portion or all of the pay that they earned uh, either on an hourly basis. There's some there's some fast food companies that are doing this. 
part this is partly driven by not just instant gratification, but but also um, that they have to have something to stand out um, in mm-hmm. in their marketing. Um, and so there's there's comp- uh, so Bloomfield Hills based Wireless Vision, which which operates um, 600 some odd T-Mobile um, um, retail uh, stores across the country. There's they're doing this now. Uh, Boston Market, uh, Kroger. Walmart, a lot of it in the retail and and service sector is where the focus of this is, but it's really um, kind of trying to cap uh, capitalize on on um, just a different um, uh, crop of workers, and at the same time trying to find a way to sort of uh, lure them into the in the, when you're just competing with, for twelve, fourteen dollar an hour jobs and whatnot, um, you're trying to find something some way to distinguish yourself. So there's a, a whole crop of new services that have popped up to get to, and they they have little charges of a dollar ninety nine or two dollars or three dollars mm-hmm. to basically get get a, a quick early deposit. Um, I believe Uber and Lyft do the same thing for for drivers, so they can they can they can essentially cash out uh, when when they're ready to cash out. Um, and so it's it's sort of very a new reflective trend in the gig economy. Um, where people want uh, to get paid and they want to get paid now for what they've done and, and not wait. And and there's a bunch of experts that Dustin Walsh talked to in this industry that predict you're going to just start seeing um, more mainstream um, uh, employers, uh, big, you know, Fortune 500 companies adopting this as mm-hmm. essentially another way to uh, distinguish themselves uh, for, um, you know, for um, attracting talent and, and filling jobs. Yeah, that's fascinating. I, I mean, uh, you get employees asking for loans every once in a while. I assume that that's part of it, too. You just cash them out instead ahead of time. Uh, what else are you covering this week? What are you looking forward to, Chad? We Are you guys, I assume, covering this insane saga in Oakland County? We were just talking about it and the the legal fight that might ensue beginning today up there. Yeah, um, we, we Kirk Pino was up there covering uh, the uh, you know the political Donnybrook of sorts up in, in Pontiac yeah. uh, with the installation of Dave Coulter, the mayor of Ferndale, to become the new interim or <clears throat> new county executive for the next uh, uh, year and a half. At the same time, you know Mike Lee, my managing editor, he wrote a pretty good column suggesting this whole. Um, uh, you know, mess could have been uh, avoided had they had just gone out and decided, hey, let's just go get a caretaker. Let, yep. Let's go find a retired business executive. Yep. And, and God knows there's a few of them that live in Oakland County. Um, or Jerry. I mean, Jerry Poison's not considered to be a highly political person. He's just a caretaker no. right now. Well, yes. Uh, in that, but, but, but he has, you know, he has the... Um, uh, he carries the Brooks. Being, yeah, he carries the Brooks. The, the Brooks, yeah. Brooks Patterson guy for for two or three decades. So yeah, yeah. if you and and you could have kept Poison if you just went and got some type of uh, of, mm-hmm. of of independent minded uh, caretaker uh, retired uh, CEO to just sort of sit in the seat um, and and keep the Republicans and Democrats at, you know uh, yep. on the on the county commission at at, at ease. Um, and, just, and then just let them then have a big debate next year about who about the future of the county, and that's really kind of you know what what's going to happen anyways. Mm-hmm. And Dave Coulter very may may very well end up being that person, um, just just from a partisan um, you know appointment and uh, and slant. Right. But um, 
um, whether Coulter can keep around some of, of, of Brooks Patterson's uh, deputies at this point kind of remains to be seen. Not I sure think they all said that they're looking at at, uh, at stepping back. I mean, they they all say they're resigning. I guess. Yeah, yeah I mean that's that that was what kind of expected. I mean, and now the challenge for Coulter is going to be to try to find people to fill a government for the next. Uh, uh, the next 16, 18 months, and that's not exactly going to be an easy task. He may, he may very well himself have to go out and get some retired uh, business executives to come in and basically be the managers uh, yeah. of the place for the next year and a half because it's not exactly easy to find people to pick up and, and leave a job for that kind of short-term gig. So um, that that's one to watch. The other one to watch, Kelly, I think this week will be a critical week in Lansing. Uh, as it relates to the state budget, um, the, le- the Senate is technically coming back tomorrow. Uh, it may be just for technical reasons to introduce bills, but they are going to be at least be in Lansing for the yeah. first time since uh, the middle of June, and they have because they have been basically, uh, you know, um, in sur- in district service uh, weeks, which is another term for vacation. Vacay. Um, but 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 um, I wrote a column about how. Um, with with all the you know, the budget negotiations and discussions and t- ideas floating around there, Republicans in particular are coming to the realization that the state is essentially going broke. They can't afford all the things that they've kind of committed to, and that that there's going to be a vote coming on revenue. Uh, that that essentially has been made been made pretty clear. Yeah. Um, that there's going to be some type of tax increase vote uh, at play in either paying for roads. Yeah. And maybe even schools too. Uh, and I mean, this 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 ten billion dollar pension bond uh, mm-hmm. proposal that been, that's been floating around it is essentially an admission that um, that they, they need to do this because they can't afford to pay the, the coming bill in the next five years, where the pension costs are going to go from three point five billion out of a fourteen billion dollar school fund, aid fund to five billion. Um, and so they're they're the whole impetus of this plan is try to lower that cost and smooth it out. Yeah. Um, and that's seemingly an admission that the state cannot afford this uh, cost, and so we got to figure out a way to, a way to refinance the mortgage of, of, of teacher pensions. Chad, really quick before we let you go, there was word last week from uh, Senate Majority Leader Mike Shirky that uh, that he was going to try to cut a deal with Gretchen Whitmer before on road funding before he makes all of their ideas public. Do you think that this is a we all hold hands and jump together into the tax hike? Well, I mean, he's he he, he seemingly is ready to do it. Um, the the question, the person, the the big wild card here is House Speaker Lee Chatfield. Yeah, which is kind of the same old story we've been uh, talking about for several years now as it relates to road funding. Is a Senate Majority Leader and a Governor ready to take a tough vote, ready to raise taxes and just get it over with? Uh, and get the revenue that the state, um, you know, seemingly needs to, because the roads are just getting worse and worse. And then you got a House Speaker with a very conservative caucus um, who is who is towing the line, wants to find a way to cut his way uh, to two billion dollars. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll continue to follow Chad Live and Good from Cranes Detroit Business. Always appreciate your insights to kick off the week. Uh, we'll talk to you again next week, Chad. Thanks, Kelly. Take care.